we wrap up our series today, Tweet That Mess. We've been looking this summer, 10, 10 different passages of scripture or sayings that Jesus mentioned during his time here on earth that, that were very profound and relevant for the culture in which he lived in, but also that we believe that there are sayings or words that are relevant for us even in the days and times in which we live. And today we have our final installation. Jesus said more than 10 great things, okay? But uh, we're going to move on to a new series next week called We Get To, and uh, we're going to talk more about that. But I want to wrap up today with, with one that I think is just absolutely incredible. If you have your Bibles, the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, and remember the Bible's divided into two major sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Matthew is that first book in this, in this New Testament, and so uh, I, it's the first of four Gospels. The four Gospels basically recount and tell us about Jesus's ministry and his life here on earth. And uh, we're going to read one of those accounts in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said something very profound beginning in verse 19. Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you had a complete stranger share the gospel with you? But when, when's the last time someone just, just m- m- maybe forget being a stranger. W- when was the last time someone came up to you and began to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you? Can you remember that time? For, for me, I just got to be honest, it's been decades. It, it's been a long time. How many of you are like me say, you know what? I have a hard time remembering when the last time somebody, last time somebody shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. It's, it's for me, it seems like it's been, a, been, been, been way too... How many of you have had have maybe somebody this week? Anybody? Came up and said, hey, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? Amen. That's awesome. Praise God for that. Do, do, do you see many people really out there today sharing Jesus with others? I mean, do you really see people sharing the gospel with other people? I, I hope so. But, but if, if, if statistics are true, statistics reveal that, that we don't do a very good job of, of sharing Jesus with people. They, they, they don't paint a pretty picture. <clears throat> now, as Christians... As people who are gathered in houses of worship all across the country today, we, we hear all the time about how important it is to, to tell others about Jesus, right? I, I hope that you do. If you're, if you're a guest or if you're new here, I, I hope that you've been in a church that, that, that is, is stressing the importance of, of, of sharing Jesus with other people. I mean, it may have been a sermon from your pastor. Maybe it came from your, your small group leader. And they, 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 they tell you what, what the Bible says and, and that we're to go and, and we're to make disciples. They, they, they even use um, uh, the first Christians potentially as, as an example and encourage you with the way they lived and what they were all about. The way they devoted themselves to, to giving the gospel to, to new people that they encountered. We really think today, August the 9th, 2015, do we really think evangelism? Do we really think going out and telling others about Jesus, do we think it's important? 
And if so, if you think it's important, does your life reflect that? Do your priorities reflect that? It's important to you. Do, do your actions, your words, do, do, do they show that you think that your life is, is, is not your own? And, and, and do they show that your faith as you interact and engage others, do your actions and your words and the life you live show others that Jesus is a big deal? And, 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 and even more than that, does your heart really know what evangelism or sharing the gospel or making disciples does it really know what it's all about again the numbers say that we don't statistics say that we don't think it's important because they reveal that we're not doing it less than two percent of christians are involved in evangelism that means less than two percent are actually going out and sharing their faith with others Only 30% contribute to some sort of evangelistic thrust or focus financially. Maybe churches like this or special groups that are sharing Jesus with others. Only 30% contribute to those causes. In fact, they say this is kind of a a mark against people uh, in in my position. Only 3% of people in in full-time ministry work with with people that are labeled as unreached people groups. Unreached people groups. We, we oftentimes call those the UPGs, the unreached people groups. And, and, and by the way, just, just want to let you guys know that uh, I came back from Indonesia, I think in November last year. And, and, and while I, before I left, I was able to leave with, with our, our missionaries there some monies because they are going out to these islands, these remote locations there in Indonesia and reaching UPGs. They're reaching unreached people groups. I want to be a part of something like that, right? But statistics would tell us that not many, even in full-time ministry, are even ministering to those who have never heard the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. It seems that virtually no one is interested in doing what Jesus challenges us with here in Matthew chapter 28. No one is interested, it seems, in making disciples. The population of born-again Christians in America is stable. They say it may be even declining. And I believe that the reason is a failure to take this closing passage in our passage here in the book of Matthew. We don't take it seriously. Someone else will do the work. Isn't that what we pay pastors for? <laughs> I, I was with a group of pastors this week in, in, in San Antonio. In, in, in September, we are going to partner with many churches around San Antonio and even churches here in our community for an initiative called Believe. You're going to hear about it more, but can you imagine the synergy and energy? Churches coming together and us preaching the same message on Sundays. Can you imagine the church in, 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 in our area? And by the way, you know there's only one church, right? Can you imagine the church of Jesus Christ rising up and serving together in our areas of, of, of influence? Can you imagine us coming together and, and with one heart and one passion talking about what does unite us and not divide us? It's called Believe, and you're going to hear about it. I was with these pastors that we were at Oak Hills. Pastor Randy Frazee hosted us. 
And we're sitting there and, and asked us some, a series of questions about who are you? You know, tell us about where you, church, uh, where you serve, where your church is located. Uh, what do you guys do well? But then he asked this question, what, what is the greatest challenge in your church today? Um, and it was sad for me. I, I, was, I was number two to go. I, I, I went second. And, and, and I simply related, I think discipleship is the greatest challenge in our church today. It doesn't have to be a challenge, but I just, I just think that, that, that when, when I look at that, that, that is probably where, where we are, are, are the weakest. And pastor after pastor after pastor from churches all around us declared the same thing. Someone else is going to do the work, right? Or it's just going to happen through, through a rousing sermon or a great video or, 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 or a, 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 an evangelist. Somehow, somebody else is going to do it. Guys, I want to share something with you this morning. It doesn't matter whether your gift is evangelism and teachings. We are commanded to make and raise up disciples. And I think we've made excuses far too long. And, and we've got many excuses, don't we, for, for not telling people about Jesus. I mean, Jason, listen, they may think that we're weird. Uh, people just around us, they're just not open to, to hear what we believe in. They're, they're used to choosing their own truth, to believing what suits them most. And so, so what happens is we, we don't want to, to be those people that are trying to control and, and, and bring something to others that, that, that they don't want or that they claim is not truth. We, we don't want to be those old-fashioned people who, who think we need a God in order to be happy. We, we don't want to, to judge others by, by telling others that they're sinners. We make excuses, and it's difficult to share Jesus with people. I mean, as soon as we start a conversation about faith, we, we get questions and, and arguments thrown at us that are difficult to answer, and, and, and just explaining, let's just be honest, just explaining the basics of Christianity can be challenging to a lot of us, can't it? I mean, where do you start? What can we say to, to people listening to us how can we show them that jesus is 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 not just a system and and some words do do we even have a a right to tell people a message that can turn their lives upside down or should we just let them just let them be they'll be okay sometimes it's hard for us to know if evangelism is even worth the effort i mean it's 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 hard enough to to keep our own christian lives going isn't it Anybody busy in this house? Anybody work? Anybody got kids? Anybody parts of, of, of organizations and groups? And you just, I mean, it's hard enough just to keep our own lives going. Being a part of a church like this even takes time and, and energy as well. Are, are we supposed to challenge ourselves to, to really go out and, and meet people who don't know Jesus and share the gospel with them in addition to all this other stuff? Really, Jason? Really? With all these questions, with all these excuses, the, these low numbers that I share with you, they're, they're really not surprising. But I believe they should still challenge us. Church, that should hurt us, what I shared with you, those numbers earlier. Because this is not the way it's supposed to be. 
The Bible doesn't tell us to evangelize only if we feel like it and everything else makes it possible. The Bible tells us to go and make disciples, period. It's not a suggestion that Jesus offered his, his listeners this day in Matthew chapter 28. It, it was a command. It was a charge that he gave them to go and make disciples. Again, when's the last up to you and said, can I share with you the story of Jesus and how he's changed my life? It's been a long time, hadn't it? It's been a long time. What is discipleship? If that's what Jesus called us to go and make, well, well, unpack that for me then, Brown. What are you talking about? What are are we supposed to? Simply put, here's what discipleship is. It means intentionally partnering with another Christian in order to help that person obey Jesus and grow in relationship with him so that he or she in turn can go and help others do the same. If there's anything that maybe we do well in relation to this is we as the church may still do a good job of preaching and teaching Jesus and giving people opportunities to respond to Jesus. But when Jesus says to go and make disciples, he's not speaking to just go and tell people my story. He's actually talking, saying, hey, listen, I want you to partner with people that know me and let's begin to grow together. Let's begin to raise one another up so that we in turn will go and do the same in the world. Does that make sense to anybody? Jesus taught his disciples here in Matthew 28 that to follow him and to obey his commands so that they could lead others to do the same. He taught them, we need to go and do this, men. Listen, I'm leaving you. And I'm entrusting my story and what you've seen in the presence of witness. I'm entrusting it to you. Just imagine if those disciples after Jesus had had made his final ascension to heaven, would just have said, hey, guys, you know what? It has been a great three years together. It was a pleasure to meet you. We saw some great things. We remember that day we ate fish and chips with the little lunch and the, the night on the Sea of Galilee. And, hey, guys, you remember Lazarus? Wow, guys, great times, but it is time to pack it in. We can write a book about it someday, right? But no. You see, Jesus knew and he trusted these men with his story. He he said, guys, listen, you need to take what you've seen in me. Guys, continue to take that to others because there are others just like you. And oh, by the way, guys, remember what you were like before you met me? Oh, there are other people just like you that need my story. He challenged them to, to do the same The same that he had done for them for three years after his death and his resurrection and ascension. He was challenging them. Men, let's go make disciples. I love what the Apostle Paul continues in 2 Timothy. This same pattern we see in Paul's writings encourages Timothy to keep this cycle of raising up people and passing on this story to others. He says, you've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed, Timothy, by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other what? Trustworthy people who will then, Timothy, be able to pass them on to others. We see here Paul encouraging Timothy to do this thing that Jesus spoke of. Go and make 
disciples, tell my story to people, but then raise them up so that they in turn will go and do the same. So how do we live out this command? If we know that it's not a suggestion, that it was important to Jesus, if it's a charge that he gave his followers, if it was a command to them, and it's probably tweet-worthy today, something that he wants us to consider, how do we live this command out? How can we actually do what we've been called to do? Well, let me just encourage you with something. You ready? It's not easy. Discipleship is not easy. And I think that that's where we bail out in the church because we're quick fix people, right? Just a little duct tape on it, it'll fix everything. Pop it in the microwave and in 30 seconds, you've got a gourmet meal fit for a king, right? We live in this this day and time in which we want instant gratification. We want to lose weight and feel great in 30 minutes, right? And discipleship is not like that. Keep in mind, it took Jesus, the Son of God, three years with this ragamuffin group of dudes that he put together. Why would we expect that us could do it in three days? Are you with me? Discipleship isn't easy. It's hard work. Oh, and some of us are going to bail out with that word, that four-letter word, work. Work. Discipleship isn't easy. Hey, listen, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us our lives. If we're going to make disciples, it's going to require everything. I think Pastor Kyle maybe spoke to this, and we've looked at it over the last few weeks. Jesus put it bluntly in Matthew, excuse me, Luke chapter 9. He said this. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you, but are yourself lost or destroyed? You see, to be a disciple and to make disciples is hard work. It's work. It's a commitment. To be a disciple of Jesus means that we've given up our lives in order to follow him wholeheartedly, unreservedly. You must hate your family. He's got to be center. It means that our lives are no longer our own. We belong to him. Are you with me today, church? We're his. And don't miss another thing about discipleship. While discipleship is all about Jesus, it is not a solitary endeavor. Discipleship is relational. And to fully respond to the great commission here in Matthew chapter 28, we need to be disciples who are making disciples of Jesus. You know what that means? We need to spend consistent time with other believers. Jesus and his disciples spent a lot of time together, three years. They ate together. They walked together. They rode in boats together. They even fought together. Isn't that awesome? We think they were just weaklings and pacifists. They fought together. Look at Luke chapter 9. You'll see that. I mean, these 12 disciples and Jesus, they were in one another's lives constantly and 
And someone that's listening today, whether live and in person or over the World Wide Web, that thinks, you know what? I don't need anyone else for Jesus and me. It's just Jesus and me. I don't need anyone else in my pursuit of Jesus. You're wrong. Read the Bible. Just read Scripture. And, and show me where Jesus just said, hey, Matthew, come follow me. Good, you're on your own. Go. James, come follow me. Good luck. Hey, you, you um, I don't even know your name. You go. Good luck. Follow. No. For three years, they camped out. They told stories. They lived life together. Listen, as great and strong as you think you are spiritually, you still need other believers in your life to encourage you. Somebody talk to me. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, and you need somebody in your life to make you a disciple of Jesus. You do. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about when I say the Lone Ranger. We're called to become disciples of Jesus. But I believe that we're also called to become disciples with one another, learning how to love God and each other as we go. Listen, by letting them challenge us and encourage us in our walk with God. Guys, that's why the church is, 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 is so important. That's why the church and honest relationships with other believers, I believe, are central to this thing called the Christian life. Listen, we need other people in this journey to becoming wholehearted, committed disciples of Jesus. On your own, you won't do it. You might have a success, but consistently, you won't do it. I'm also reminded that this thing called discipleship isn't a method You see, to be a disciple of Jesus doesn't require attending a certain church or participating in a certain Bible study or even praying a certain way, but it does require you doing things of the kingdom. Watch out. If I'm going to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus, I am going to participate and do those things of the kingdom, just as those 12 disciples did. Read their story. They were sent out by Jesus to cast out demons. They were sent out by Jesus to heal the sick. They were sent out by Jesus to proclaim the good news at that time that the kingdom of God has come near to you. And oh, by the way, he had confidence in them that he said, you know what? Y'all go on. He left them to do it, but he sent them out and they went and performed the work of the kingdom. And guys, can I tell you something? The responsibility of the disciple hasn't changed. You and I are still called to do these things alongside of other believers by sharing the gospel of Jesus in our communities. We're called to pray for the sick and the hurting. We're called to run to those in need and try to meet those needs. You know that, right? What we do here is not what we're all called to be about. This is good. But guys... You're going to be sent out here in about 15 minutes to go and make disciples. Are you ready? Are you ready? Will you run to the hurting and the sick? Will you pray for people? Will you meet needs around you? At the core of evangelism is discipleship. And at the core of discipleship, is relationship. We've gotten lost in this model that goes something like this. Get them in the door, get them converted, 
and get them in a discipleship group. That's been our model. Let's get them in the door. Let's get them converted. Let's get them in a discipleship group. When in reality, we, we forget something I think is very important. Jesus made disciples before they ever believed in who he said he was. He, he, he pretty much said this, hey, why don't you just follow me around for a while? And after a painfully long time, you'll get to know the life I live as the only true way to live. And then, as I said, over the course of about three years, he ate with them, he fished with them, he laughed with them, he mourned with them, he, he served with them, he, he endured them. And then all but one of those guys at the end of those three years changed the entire world. Church, I believe we can do this. I believe that the same power that these 12 walked out or 11 walked out in to change the world, I believe that we still possess that same power. Are you with me? You see, the 21st century church is at its best when our efforts are focused less on selling Jesus and being more like him. We can do this. The church thrives when we come together, when we willingly, just as they did, say, come and see, when we willingly invite others, maybe even into your personal space. The church thrives, guys, when we open our lives up to people. And check this out. They may not be like you. I know if everybody were like you, the world would be a better place, wouldn't it? But I'm just going to tell you something. Lost people don't know the truth. They're dirty. They're messy. They're going to use language that you're going to cover your kids' ears with. They're going to go places and watch things and, 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 and make, they're, they're just lost. They need the truth. So there's one of two things we do. We say, you know what? Good luck. Good luck. I hope somebody else says it. Or we can say, you know what? Oh, man. God sent me for you. I came. He came for people like you and he came for people like me and he is sending me to someone just like you. It takes time. It takes patience. But I'm telling you, the end result are transformed lives by the gospel of Jesus. And that's what we are all about. And just let me remind you something real quick as we get ready to leave. You don't need to have a slew of qualifications to disciple someone else. You just have to be willing to follow and obey Jesus. Remember those 12 that we've been talking about? Guys, they were just, the scripture says, ordinary, unschooled men. Listen, you can do this. God believes in you enough, Christian. You just need to be willing to follow and obey Jesus. Be willing to help someone else do the same. Will we do that, church? Are we willing to take the gospel to others and disciple them and encourage them to do the same? I'm going to show you something that you're going to begin seeing around this house. In fact, I'm going to show it to you first today, but these words found. You know, we, we believe that God has planted this church here to find and restore. Do we believe that? We believe that God has called us to run to those who do not have a relationship with the Savior and lead them to Jesus. 
this sign's going to be hanging out in our atrium in the next few days. And it's going to be a constant reminder to us of what our calling is as believers in Jesus Christ. It's the word found. I once was lost, but now I was blind, but now I, you know it. And this is going to serve as a reminder to everyone that walks in the atrium what we are called to do to go and make disciples. And here's what's going to happen. I want to hear stories, and I want to encourage you, and I'm going to challenge you to continue to be out there telling people your story of how Jesus has changed you. And I want you to share with them the difference that Jesus can make in their life. One receives Jesus Christ and asks him to be Lord and Savior. We're going to celebrate with you as a church, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come and just light it up. Symbolic of someone who once walked in darkness but now the light has come. Someone else is going to share their faith with someone and, and someone's going to say, I want Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're going to give you an opportunity to light that bad boy up. And may this serve as a reminder to us what our mission is at 1910 Church. We're not called to gather and sing great songs and lift our hands and build big buildings. No, we're called to go. And we're called to go and find people far from Jesus bring them into a relationship with him. I pray that those bulbs not remain dark for far too long. That each week there's a ladder out in the atrium with you and you and you, the person who shared your faith story with someone and you get to activate, boom, that bulb. Father, thank you for the reminder today in Matthew chapter 28 of what our calling is as church is to go to find lost people. It's to bring into a saving relationship with you. But God, more importantly than that, we are to raise them up, making disciples so that they in turn, Father, will go and continue. May we be a church that has a passion for people. May we love you enough, Jesus, that we'll go and make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.